Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
Have you lost something near and dear to your heart while swimming in the water or fishing or adventuring or doing whatever down in the Homosassa or Crystal River area? Please reach out to Jason at crystalrivertreasurehunter at gmail.com, a member of ringfinder.com. This guy will go down and dive the site you lost it, dive the place where your boat was, where you were adventuring with the family, and he will find that lost heirloom. He has an extremely high success rate. He charges a very low amount of money. And guess what? He leaves people feeling extremely happy. He's a veteran. This is a veteran-run organization, a combat veteran-run organization down in Crystal River area. If you're in the Zello, Homosassa, Crystal River area, hit Jason up. And remember, the manatee do not eat garbage. Reach out to crystalrivertreasurehunter at gmail.com. Tell Jason what you lost, where you lost it, and he will find your precious cargo. One more time. crystalrivertreasurehunter at gmail.com. What's going on, Recon? Good morning, everyone in the chat. That one time I was abducted by aliens. I appreciate being here already. Good morning, everyone. Gracie, Pony Pong, Gustav Van Vuren. What's up, man? Sand McDonald, Annie Ann, Third Eye of Shiva, God of Meditation. Shiva could have been an alien. Go check out that If They Were Aliens by Exofa episode way back in the day. Um, had a pretty good one there. Everyone, I hope you're well this morning. It is 10.02 on the 27th for me here on the East Coast of the United States. It was crazy storming last night. Dogs barked all night. I didn't sleep at all. So I'm going to give it my all with my brain as fuzzy as it is and the way I feel. Now, I don't know about you folks, <clears throat> but recently there's been problems on Twitter. And before we get into that, I guess I should tell you all the newcomers who are listening right now, this is a show about the paranormal defense beat. You know, most UFO sightings are, of course, misidentified. And since we cover so much military technology anyways, we recognize, uh, and since I've had a bunch of weird experiences in my life, that it's probably best to cover down on what the news is claiming or people who are claiming on the news, what they're claiming on the news. And uh, it seems so far to be disclosure uh, isn't held up by much, but maybe we'll see. I don't know. Uh, for all you newcomers, this is a show that does focus uh, mainly on helping you, uh, you know, get clarity on human achievements and, and, and what's actually up in the sky when it was flying and whatnot. Uh, so you can easily add that to your list of known things that are in the air or in your way. Like a like a uh, like a pack of MIGs flying to block the view of an S from the SR-71 down on some sort of Siberian research facility. Once you know what's up there, you can kind of get all that shit out of the way and then go take in whatever else you saw. It might be easier to identify or recognize it's not identified. I don't know what I'm saying here. It was also nothing too woo for us to investigate, so uh, I take a kind of hard line on the disclosure thing. But after all, I've had some pretty strange experiences, and I believe that science is <clears throat> simply chipping away the world. And we're nowhere near to being finished. So I do believe there's plenty of stuff out there yet to be reconciled and understood and even considered to some degree by our science community. Heck, it happens quite often. Um, <clears throat> of course, those are usually piggyback on old achievements, but we'll see. Anyways, Recon, let's get this thing underway here. <clears throat> Pardon me. We're going to chat about an article I shared on Twitter the other day from uh, 2010. We're going to talk about some recent news here off uh, the, the tweet. The tweet verse um, <clears throat> story about a Chinese spy, possibly. I'm not sure. 
And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I kind of wanted to touch on a bunch of stuff, but go back to an article from 1960. Sex bomb. The name has been scrapped. That that uh, that Canadian hypersonic uh, aircraft, aka or, or munition, whatever you want to call it, has been scrapped. The name was unfortunately they had Hello One and Sex Bomb and all these cool names. They had all the original body shapes uh, from back in the day uh, for hypersonic stuff, and they just this Canadian company that stood up out of nowhere seemingly. Well, at least I never heard of them, so I can, I can say that kind of. We're gonna chat a little bit about their achievements and why. Uh, <clears throat> They're not going anywhere. They just changed the name of their vehicle. We still might be able. We still might be able to fly from Toronto to London in like fifty minutes. Be cool. Can I hit that button yet? All right, I'll be right back, Recon. Stick around. Don't go anywhere. When we get back, I'll, I'll show you a titty. Welcome, to Strange Recon. I am here to discuss the so-called flying saucers. You out of your f***ing mind. It is nothing more than a weather observation balloon. Of course, which we, we both knew differently. Now, I saw that. I don't give a goddamn what anybody else says about it. I saw that on film. Phil Clasp and kissed my ass. He wasn't there. I was. When you know all the names in every language of that bird, you know nothing but absolutely nothing about the bird. You're crazy. You're crazy. I like you. But you're crazy. All right. <coughs> Hard on. Pardon. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, a couple cool things out there happening. Let's just start off quick basics of aviation. You all know this, right? You all know this. Ready? What? Sorry, I just got a message. One second, Recon. Get the... Dude, people are fucking crazy. Anyways, moving on. Um, the UFO subject is literally to some people like so the door the doorway to meeting God is like in their living room or something, and they just get so offended that you don't agree with them about something, and it's just nuts. Let's just go back real quick to something in aviation that was recognized a long time ago during an attempt to like Kennedy try to bring us all to. Uh, <clears throat> God, I feel like shit. I'm sorry, Recon. Back in the day, our presidents, believe it or not, on multiple occasions had tried to push to some degree. One made it far, uh, far, far, far further than the other. Um, wanted supersonic flight for everyone. Commercial flight for industry, of course, and, and, uh, and transportation, logistics, all that stuff. They wanted the same ability to carry cargo or, of course, fuel like that on the battlefield given to, you know, civilians to some degree because it was easy. It was um, it, there wasn't much. There wasn't uh, at the mo at that moment in time, this 
let's go so fast. We need to make material science breakthroughs. We need to come up with a new jet fuel, a new design. We need to have, I mean, something like the ox car or something like that. Um, but it, it was, you know, there were more blunt shaped aircraft. They were larger. They, they did other stuff. But either way, in 1960, uh, there was um, a push, uh, you know, uh, from the industry inside and out to, to some degree uh, to offer the same capability to the public as, uh, you know, as as the military had. And it was uh, it was a, a, a push that didn't go um, didn't go. It didn't just stop there. It, they got a ton of money at one point. I think a hundred million actually, uh, and um, and uh, the total cost of the SST, the supersonic transport, was estimated to be at two billion possibly, but it never got that high because it was canceled. But uh, you know, the they, the U.S. decided to try to go as fast as possible rather than offer it to the public, which is almost predictable. Now I'm not, I have no hate here. I'm just saying it's kind of annoying. But the the ox cart or the SR seventy seventy one um those that's what came out of it and we didn't get it and that same argument is having is coming today and you know I'll, I'll leave all the documents below of course you know about the concord you know what the guy like why is this important why would i even bring up this very mumbling like monotone like beginning of a show it's because people don't understand that capabilities we developed very long ago and have been doing on repeat in the military from everything from the interceptor level to the bomber level could have been given to the public a long, long time ago. Um, in in my little brain, I don't get, I don't get it. Um, <clears throat> they don't understand that the, the the transportation is so lagged behind that they're demanding for something that goes a million miles an hour. You ask some of these people in disclosure or that are doing the disclosure thing, like what they think this technology that the government has does they're talking about going speeds like we're going to get aircraft that, that go around the world in a couple hours at, you know at most um which is entirely unlikely unless of course they're talking about hypersonic and supersonic transportation um or at least at least rolling that out i i have a s slight suspicion that commercial airlines, like you're not going to fly out of Vegas to Seattle and go hypersonic anytime soon in your lifetime. But, you know, I have my suspicions um, that uh, that would come, supersonic would come before some sort of Mach 25 transportation they're offering plus, you know, because of alien technology. Uh, it doesn't make much sense to me. We, 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 we have aircraft that are pushing... Uh, wave they're like up like up you know high 600s and um and you know the, the public can get on that for a pretty high dollar um but it doesn't change the fact that that it does seem at least to look like the change to go commercial i know i'm losing everyone on this but i i'm getting to the whole power beaming christopher melling thing in a second here the change to go commercial for the public to supersonic is almost falling on the line of the Air Force's 2025, you know, where they see the United States Air Force being, you know, where the public being uh, by a certain point in order to stay dominant in the world. So, <clears throat> sorry, I'll liven it up for you. I'll move around a lot and stuff. They see, I'll put a fucking costume on. Um, the fact of the matter is, is that power beaming 
and plasma additions to, to aircraft and a bunch of other stuff that's going to be required because you don't want to fly something around like crazy when you have endless amount of beyond line of sight drones flying the same elevation, uh, you know, at that same speed, you know, stuff to, to defend itself against that. You have essentially all of the market changing all at one time. No, I don't think it's going to drastically change where we're all flying around in orbs or something anytime soon. But you do see that the aircraft that they plan on unroll, uh, uh, you know, unveiling um, to the uh, to the military, and what they plan on having for uh, the, the civilians, <clears throat> it, it's not the same thing. And uh, and I wonder if it's going to fall in line that that we'll end up getting military FAA almost like achieve uh, you know we'll be allowed to travel that speed, maybe even using remotely piloted things rather than the technology that they're switching to. So they're going to switch to power beaming. And we're going to switch to hydrogen breathing, fast moving. All this while, all the while, all this while, all the while, I'm I'm asking these folks from, you know, that, that support disclosure and chats on Twitter and stuff. I'm like, so like like what like what do you know that is going to be achieved from this alien technology being rolled out from the government because it because this alien technology has to be able to be duplicated right it's going to be gas turbine hydrogen breathing turbine engine it's going to be it's going to be ram and scram it's going to be power beaming you know like photo fighter stuff drones that beam power to each other to keep each other in the air and stuff uh, and, and from the ground. So the people seem to believe that this is going to be some sort of magical upset, the most disruptive you've ever seen type of stuff. And end of all normal transport, all of that stuff. We're talking flying walnuts, saucers, orbs, maybe even black triangles that can go in the ocean. And truly, I don't know. But they, they, they don't really seem to have any knowledge on the market where it's going that this is already being a lot of these flight capabilities already being tested especially over in uh, northern europe where they have all these fjords and stuff and they can do these short little one hour long flights um no you know that's a much smaller aircraft obviously these little jump um aircraft they're going over these fjords and these valleys mountains and uh, landing back down versus these larger you know ones with many passengers big big platforms so you know ultimately speaking you the story kind of sounds like magic. No one's offering up what these things do, what the propulsion is, what materials they, they, they're, they're made out of. Because if you look at the materials that had to be achieved to go fast beyond supersonic to a nice, a nice uh, you know, hot air or cool air um well I, I guess it's technically both that's weird i'm an idiot but uh you know a nice uh you know like mach 3 or something plus you you know you're, you're asking to change so much you, you know so much of what you need to add to these aircrafts have to change the materials <laughs> that need to go on the outside or or even be built that like the like the tiles on a shuttle that type of thing um all of that has to change with the aircraft or, or move with it and stuff. So I don't know what I can't, I'm, I'm like desperately trying to find anything that suggests 
that these insiders have heard something about alleged alien technology proposal. Because I woke up this morning and I said this, listen, maybe they have something more than we've heard. Maybe these people that love disclosure and it's all about it all the time, maybe they've heard things that we haven't heard, and that's why they're just... It's not why. It's I end up finding out it's not why. But um, anyways, I they... Wouldn't it be interesting if Lou or someone was to bring his knowledge to private enterprise like, say, General Electric? How about fucking Northrop? And then suddenly you see the knowledge that he's allegedly passing around to Congress, all this like really intimate knowledge and hard empirical data on what these recovered spaceships can do allegedly um but that that's basically what i'm hearing by the way when i speak to these people it's always like well why would they claim the paperwork shows all this information about what these things are including photographic and analysis of what these things are and uh, you know it's just if if, if that's what they have and it, it's allegedly something for one obviously it could be very well it could be just our own technology um but uh if they actually have something why wouldn't he just take it somewhere and get them to turn it into something in the name of the red, white, and blue or some horse shit? I don't know. Like, what, what, what's the... what's the? Uh... <laughs> Am I confused about something? Isn't he already put himself in a corner? Ah, I'm, like, oh my God. I'm already been down this road a trillion times. Um, the United States in a route in a in a plan to beat the UK essentially and other European nations that might have taken up the pursuit, especially talking about you know far, much further east, uh, Russia, who is also pursuing uh, SST supersonic transports. <clears throat> you have um, this idea that we wanted to make huge achievements, right? Like the SR-71 or the A-12 and the SR-71, which still hold records today, requiring a whole new breakthrough of material sciences and, and opera CIA operations to get them, you know what I mean? Uh, that uh, it led us down a path that basically the only thing these, this stuff was used for was secret operations because it went so fast. It, it, it didn't just offer an opportunity to go like 780 miles an hour sustained across the ocean. It offered an opportunity to go Mach three plus and burn every, leave everyone in your, you know, in the afterburners or not, no, leave everyone in your dust essentially. They wouldn't be able to touch the afterburners. I'll think. Dust. Anyways, uh, because of that, we saw the Concorde come out. We saw people flying and getting off the Concorde and all that stuff. We saw, uh, you know obviously the problem people claiming things and it didn't wait till it got out to sea and it needed to fly supersonic as fast as possible and uh, to uh to to, to maximize its its payload and all that stuff but it's um you know we saw we saw a country achieve it and start flying people around and we essentially only did that in secret or for wartime operations and because of that the american brain literally believes that if they unveil something that goes I don't know. I can pick a number. 
what, what do the X forty three do? What do the X Alpha Bravo and Charlie do on their on their on their runs? Didn't, did, you know, obviously they were unmanned. Uh, there could have been a person in there <laughs> laying down, but um, you know, I don't know what they flew. I forget now, but but uh, holy shit, what is? Sorry, Recon. Um, give me a. Uh, Give me a second, actually. I better answer this. I don't know. They've called me a bunch of times. One second. I'll be right back. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.
All right, we're back, Recon. We're back. Don't worry. There's just some bill collectors threatening to break my hands. Uh, anyways, <clears throat> that's not true. Um, let's get back to this real fast right here. Recon. You know how this is one boring ass episode? <laughs> you know how everyone left already? Because Hey, guess what? I know this shit's boring. And I know I presented in a boring way. That's all I want to say. Anyways, okay, moving on. Uh, but seriously, back in the day, we decided to try to go faster than fast. They wanted to fly fast, and we wanted to go Ricky Bobby fast. They were like, well, you know, we don't need to set up secret operations to get secret materials from the Russians to then build a, a, a stealth spy craft that can travel faster than every weapon system. So you literally have to trick the Russians into selling you the material to build a system to fly it over Russia. Very smart. I understand that. They didn't need to do that. They could just start building this thing off what was already known about supersonic tra uh, tr um, flight because, of course, it had already been achieved. Uh, but, you know, so the, the, the very idea of, uh, of not offering it, and I'm going to, maybe this isn't true. But it seems like a couple people, there's a guy named Trip. there's a couple other folks from the early Pan Am days, and of course, but they seemed to almost, like, take a, like, not offense, but it was like, that they, they knew they could achieve what they, they knew what was already designed and achieved by Boeing could be offered to the public. They they wanted to, to, to offer the same thing. But the powers that be, whoever's in charge was like, if we're going to build a supersonic transport, we would prefer to have it in the hands of our service members by ranking the kinetic energy of an aircraft on its own and suggesting that what's more likely someone's going to steal a supersonic aircraft from the from the civilian world or the military world i'll leave that question for you and because of that you know, things, influences, capabilities, the idea of the kinetic energy of an aircraft just on its own. Literally, it's what would happen if you fly this thing at full speed into the ground. You know, that's, that's a, a fucking insane amount of energy. Uh, and what do you know? We end up seeing every excuse in the world why we no longer pursued it. The money dried up. The president's head went flying off. Um the, the 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 citizens in the UK and other places were basically saying, um, you know, this is this is hurting our ears. You're blowing my fucking windows out. I my house was never, you know, I never was I never was a pain, you know, to, to live in my home near this airport before. Now you got the Concord going around 30 miles out. You're like, ka ka ka. <laughs> like every day um so essentially it never really panned off get the hell out of here um it's um it never really panned uh panned uh, yeah i got that from the warzone article it's the same video that i was talking about years ago uh about a year ago of seeing and uh feeling like though sorry i was talking to steve there i just cut myself off to tell answer steve yeah, that Thunderhead balloon system from the Warzone article, that's the video I was talking about when I was trying to describe the freaking, um, um, the, uh, like, balloons, like, alive. Like, they're, like, alive, essentially, in the way they respond to, you know, you don't need a bunch of people on a network. Oh, we got an explosion in Russia. Send the balloons. Like, it's just, like, you know, it's pretty interesting what they're doing. Anyways, uh, so, 
this um this this uh end of the uh american sst the super uh the, the supersonic transport you know kind of allowed for this image i'm not trying to i don't want to go too crazy into this i'm sorry i'm spending so much time even ram, you know mumbling on about this but it created this image that for whatever reason in ufology you see people when they reflect upon the possible technologies that could be un, you know rolled out before them debuted out of colorado springs or something you know eric weinstein on top of a fucking walnut that's hovering over the ground whatever you want to imagine uh you know you you you, you recognize that basically they could be shown essentially anything and they'd be impressed what worries me is when there's already fairly technical people that shouldn't be impressed whatsoever by the things that are being claimed, and their hair is basically being blown off their head every 12 seconds. Their wig is landing back on their head upside down, and, and, and you know it's just like, why are you the one that's blown away by this? Can't you just Google the history of aviation and see this is something we were doing in the 60s? And so, you know, I get real worried when I, when I see... Uh, people saying they're about to unveil something to us. I, you haven't taken all this free time they gave you where they should have shown you the evidence, all these years of, of offering up or stories. I swear to God, I was there. I was on fucking guard in Bolivia, man. And then suddenly a flying saucer come down and purple sludge was in my hair, whatever the hell. It doesn't matter the fucking stories they talk about. Um, they've had decades now to offer up something in the form of concrete evidence, even when so many people have claimed I have evidence. Anyways, um, they, the, they, the, oh, the IOU, um, they, uh, it does seem that they could debut the next phase of hypersonic flight. And, because that's still two generations away from what even the public can get on. It's might it might as well be alien. Some would even suggest that for a lot of folks, anything that is like literally outside of their hands and their grasp would be basically alien to them. They're they have such they have such a lack of awareness, uh, you know, of the world around them. Um, but yet. They managed to achieve so much. So who's the one that's broken? Anyways, um, <laughs> but uh, they uh, they they will they will push this very idea that there's some sort of alien technology. And you know what? If there is, that's awesome. I again, I, I I'm not trying to obstruct something. I am saying I think this is all fucking stupid and a lie. But I'm not <laughs> trying to obstruct it. Um, uh, I just I think that. Um, I think that they're in for a big, sad. Huh. <clears throat> I think that the this is a big setup for something that could be as uh, as simple as like, for instance, like think of it like this: what what if we end up finding out that there's a prototype fighter jet out there that uh, uses a couple pretty cool, interesting sci sci fi like phenomena we've discovered right here on Earth, like ion thrusters. Or, or things like that to stay afloat. This electrically charged vehicle, whenever it's in an airspace that it that has wireless power being beamed through it, 
it can essentially hover with nothing more than the sounds of a little miniature lightning storm off in the distance or maybe a generator or high voltage power lines running over your head uh the the there are so many options, but one of them for sure is is uh, is, is the idea of using ion uh, you know, lift or thruster. You know, they call like ionic wind and things like that, and the different ways to generate it. You've seen people for years make little uh, ion ionic uh, floaters, ion uh, what do they call those things there, um, lifters, and um, and because of that, you know, because of, we've only ever seen mostly the. Um, the, the, the garage tinfoil variant with a with a couple of batteries on the wall car batteries on the wall with some wires strung to it um you have uh you have an, again a perception you know that 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 this is the rubicon of the ion lifter field or this is the rubicon of what the military uh complex in, in combination with the military could produce in form of the ultimate vehicle we're not even at war right now, really. Of course, we probably have, you know, soldiers and countries basically everywhere. But we, um, you know, ultimately speaking, this is not like the Cold War. This isn't like when we're, we see that they're competing with us directly on, on a certain level, on some aspects, like a space race and stuff. To some degree, it would be, but that's that's a different story. We're actually going to talk about that. But um, in the forms of fast-moving vehicles, Fast and high-flying vehicles. I guess ultimately you know what I'm going to say. They, they, uh, they've had so long to come up with more, you know, the, the better material sciences, better optimization of these systems. And in, you know what happens? So, like, I fucking say this in the engineering world. People don't really... I, I invent a new propulsion system, a new engine. Okay? It goes it goes like that, right? And uh, forever, for the next, like, 40 years, people make micro changes to this little thing that I created. But it's such a good invention. It's such a good engine <clears throat> that they're not trying to reinvent the wheel. They're trying to improve... You know, the smooth out the inside of a system and recognize they're getting a little more pressure in this chamber than they used to. They, I don't know, bore out this thing and they recognize it gets, you know, it's a little bit better of a pump and that one. I don't know. So the, the fact of the matter is that they'll refine that system for a long time to make this, they used to go like, you know, uh, 800 miles an hour. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere wear with daily bonuses that should brighten your day a little actually a lot so sign up now at chumbacasino.com 
That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Go 3,000 miles an hour. The idea of it over and over and over again. But what happens when it hits a wall in the forms of what we can do it essentially to change this? R&D doesn't need to take massive leaps and disruptive changes because we're not fighting anyone. We don't have a big enemy. So you, you get to the point where the biggest changes that you'll see coming from the private market to influence the military are going to be optimizations of ex- other systems to improve upon the capabilities of it, the fluid dynamics, yada, yada, yada. So what do we have? We have systems like what we've talked about multiple times here, plasma uh, actuators and weird ass fucking shit added to the outside of the aircraft to make it fly better. They've removed flaps. They've made better surfaces, smoother surfaces, better 3D printing. They've allowed, um, they've had AI come in and essentially turn all of those systems into the uh, you know best of today, the best possible variant that it could be. And so what we have is just like this insanely pure version of what we used to have before. Basically, we started off with people with hammers and little, you know, blunt objects making a round metal body craft with smooth wings and stuff. And well, it's good enough for now. We've put it through the flight test, and it seems like those cotton balls are really flying off the wings. <clears throat> but nowadays, of course, it's different. You have essentially the mind of a, uh, you know, a, a semi-living thing whose one job is to uh, do what you're trying to do much better. <clears throat> And uh, it's pretty insane. I'm worried about what people will say if they actually do unveil something. I guess I'm worried. The, the, they've set themselves up to be extremely disappointed. You have, you have ufologists, authors that are like aviation historians like that english dude who used to comment on all my posts and we realized it was useless um <clears throat> that you know they 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 failed to mention so many things and believe that someone's personal account trumps what else is going on it's just not a true story of history when it comes to you know what what the military was doing it's kind of sucks at the same time i guess it's I just received an article. I think it's a, a update on Jeremy McGowan's blog here. The title of it is "Harnessing the Power of the UFO to Influence International Relations." Relations. You know, the funny thing is, I spent so much before he sent this to me. I spent quite some time this morning thinking about that old that old thing, because an article we're going to read in a second here, um, that old thing that has been, you know, said so often in ufology throughout the years, that it is an effective tool to influence um, both foreign nations and in your own. I can't wait to read Jeremy's thing because I, I get, I get concerned uh, when, when, um, when some, 
well, I don't know. I'll, you know, I don't know. I just like, like, I don't believe the same tactics that would work on us in, in like an information op to some degree, an information op would be the ones that would end up working, uh, 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 like on a large degree. The Chinese, I think our propaganda confuses the Chinese for sure. They're like, what the fuck? You know, uh, I don't know. We got to pause here for a second. I want to read that article, but I do want to go back here. Something I posted on Twitter, I noticed that a lot of people, uh, didn't comment on it, but I think it's uh, valuable, and I, I like to get into it real quick. It's not going to take long. This article is titled "The Truth Is Out There," and it's from 2010 by an author, an, uh, the uh, William B. Scott. Um, it's in Smithsonian Magazine historical uh, historical record. You can go look it up there from 2010. A veteran reporter describes his search for the aircraft of Area 51. So this is 2010. There's a lot of UFO action happening in 2010. You had Leslie Keen stepping up and just fucking completely convincing everyone. I sound like such a naysayer, but you have to understand, regardless if there if there's a truth in what she's saying, what what has happened, what is achieved, has been achieved. Lack thereof, the evidence. I said that backwards. Um, it's just it's 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 infuriating because she was also saying it then when one of the biggest scrambles for drones and secret drones were all happening back in 2010 and the technology that was coming out in 2000 and allegedly in 2010. And so since that technology didn't come out, we see we see her back out again saying it. This time, I really mean it, guys. I really mean it this time. They're really dealing with UFOs all the time, and they have their secret technology. I really mean it. And it's it's like, you know what? Fine. That's, that's great. But can you at least try to back up your fuck? It's whatever. It's... it's She's already made the statement that she did. She she lied for the greater good, and that's all I need for now until she comes up with something to support her, what she's claimed in the past, and I don't have to listen to anything Leslie Keen says about the UFO topic. I'll listen to her about her cool ghost hand stories and hot tub parties and all that stuff, but I'm... Uh, uh, um, anyways, let's move on here. Uh, a veteran reporter describes his search for aircraft of Area 51, and you'll see a very long runway right there, quote-unquote. Our aircraft commander jabbed a finger at a small crosshatch crosshatch circled in the u.s air force navigation chart but even if we lose all four engines he said we will not land on it as in someone just pointed down at a runway and said see that over there even if we lose all four engines we're not landing down there why not sir where the fuck is the stream here though <clears throat> Jeepers Christ. All right, here we go. We'd be there a long time. He didn't have to answer a lot of questions, the commander replied, then moved on to the next day's mission preview. A four-striped sergeant leaned towards me. That's Groom Lake, he said under his breath. That's where the that's where the really secret stuff happens. A 22-year-old airman, I thought our outfits, nuclear sampling missions were mighty secret stuff. Not until the 70s 
when the Air Force Technical Application Center mission was declassified, could we all could we tell our families that we had that we had routinely flown a variety of aircraft from C-54s to B-52s through radioactive clouds from the U.S. and foreign bomb tests, collecting nuclear debris, gaseous samples, uh, gaseous samples, and mushroom cloud. Oh, see the mushroom cloud, a 2009 article. We wore plain black baseball caps and olive drab flight suits with no unit patches. <laughs> Chris Bartell. <laughs> what are you doing in the chat there, sir? Hey, no, what's going on, man? Uh, the <laughs> No unit patches and carried only the most basic identification. Whatever was going on at Groom Lake, evidently even more classified than our mission, I was impressed and very curious. The pre-flight briefing at McLaren Air Force Base in California in summer 1969 was my introduction to one of the most secret aerospace development and testing sites in the world. Over the next 40 years, Groom Lake mystery surfaced time and time again, first in my role as the flight test engineer and later as a reporter for the magazine Aviation Week in Space, Space, Week in Space Technology. But like other journalists chasing the story, I have yet to set foot on the alkaline dry lake bed with ultra-long runways despite multiple requests to visit. The secluded desert base nestled along the rim of Groom Lake, around 80 miles northwest of Las Vegas, has been a test site for intriguing cutting-edge aircraft since 1955. It has also been a breeding ground for rumors and conspiracy theories. Until the 1990s, the U.S. government would, wouldn't even acknowledge that the place existed. This black hole of military and intelligence community secrecy is a product of the Cold War when the United States desperately needed to spy on the Soviet bomber and missile developments. In the 1950s, when satellites capable of watching airfields, missile silos, and test sites across the Soviet Union were years away, the Central Intelligence Agency awarded Lockheed's, um, Lockheed's Advanced Development Division, by then known as a Skunk Works, as a contract to build what became the high-altitude, long-endurance U-2 spy plane. Designer Kelly Clarence Johnson, um, <laughs> designer Clarence Kelly Johnson, directed Lockheed test uh, pilot Tony Levier. I can't say that guy's name ever. Enough to prevent Soviet agents from spotting the black, long-winged airplane. Yet reasonably close to Lockheed's Southern California engineering and aircraft production plants, um, the pilot sourced the southwestern United States in a light aircraft, ultimately settling settling on a dry lake bed within the nation's nuclear test site complex in Nevada, where the Air Force had opened to Atomic Energy Commission in the 1950s to conduct nuclear weapons tests. In the summer of 1955, facilities were quickly built along the south shore of Groom Lake, and a few months later, U-2 test flights began. Johnson thought the infrastructure would be temporary. But over the next 50 years, new buildings and longer runways were built to accommodate development of numerous secret aircraft, including Lockheed's SR-71 Blackbird, its A-12 and YF-12 cousins, the F-117 Nighthawk stealth fighter, and one-of-a-kind technology demonstrators. An impressive fleet of foreign fighters and attack aircraft, primarily Russian, also were collected at Groom Lake, flown and evaluated by a group of test pilots and engineers known as the Red Hats. In Johnson's time, Lockheed workers called Groom Lake the ranch, quote-unquote, or, quote, Watertown Strip, 
flight test professionals at Edward Air Force Base in California, which maintains a unit at Groom Lake called Detachment 3, referred to it as, quote, the site. U.S. and foreign pilots participating in light, large-scale red flag exercise flown from Nellis Air Force Base in Nevada know Groom Lake as, quote, the box, a no-fly zone that often complicates the massive air combat training scenarios. To most of the public, it's simply Area 51, a reference to numbered section on 1950s Atomic Energy Commission maps that divided the Nevada test site into grids. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Since 2005, Groom has undergone a robust burst of construction. The base now compromises numerous large hangars, dozens of workers, do- uh, dorms, usually long paved runways, acres of concrete ramp space, recreation facilities, and even a watering hole called Sam's Place. I learned from base employees. Uh, groom watchers have spotted an enormous new hangar boasting an estimated 65,000 square feet, sheltered by a roof that at its peak soars to about 100 feet in the air. Naturally, the expansion has fueled considerable speculation among enthusiasts who track Groom's goings-ons. Goings-on. Right. One of my sources, especially the Black Program aircraft base there, one of my sources at the Pentagon said that the base's current fleet is dominant by unmanned aerial vehicles like the Air Force's RQ-170 Sentinel, dubbed the Beasts of Kandahar. Jesus. The U.S. troops in Afghanistan who have seen it the Stealthy Sentinel, a tailless flying wing built by Groom Lake's first tenant, the Skunk Works, is a tail is tailored for tactical intelligence, surveillance, and reconnaissance missions to support combat troops. The Air Force confirmed the Sentinel's existence in December 2009, but details about the gray, unarmed UAV, which was first spotted in Kandahar Airfield in 2007, remained classified. Although the federal government grudgingly acknowledges that the base does exist, Groom's silence is still intact today, and his reputation for keeping secrets remains unblemished. Other intelligence units, such as National Security Agency and the CIA, have suffered embarrassing security breaches over the years, but if any of Groom's secrets have escaped, they didn't make the news. Such uncompromising secrecy can breed abuses. In the early 1990s, while I was researching Groom as a journalist, A former engineer from the base encouraged me to look into the amount of money being spent on programs there. I devoted considerable time and effort investigating those expenditures, but the black money trail proved almost impossible to follow. I determined that the programs were then uh, costing U.S. taxpayers between 30 and 36 billion a year, almost a hundred million dollars a day at the time for more productive, far more productive were my interviews with dozens of people who reported seeing and hearing strange aircraft, mostly at night, primarily in the southwest, uh, southwestern United States. Based on those and some of my uh, my own observations, I wrote about aircraft produced unusual contrails in a deep, uh, crackling roar, despite uh, described as a, the sky ripping. 
Uh, I love this one. Then in the early 90s, uh, a CNN reporter faxed my magazine a sketch of an unusual large aircraft he spotted flying over the jo- over the Georgia countryside on a Sunday afternoon. Painted white, it closely resembled the retired Northrop American XB-70 supersonic bomber. But there was something different. Vertical tails positioned at the aircraft wingtips. And the vertical fins of the XB-70 were located inboard, closer to the fuselage centerline. It couldn't have been the XB-70 itself. The last one in existence was parked at the National Museum of U.S. For- uh, Air Force, Wright-Patterson Air Force Base in Dayton, Ohio. Of course, you know, the U.S. loves to paint aircraft solid white or solid black. In testing. I don't know why. I do. Over the next few years, I collected half a dozen similar sketches, and all of them closely resembled the old bomber. Most eyewitnesses reported the sketches came from credible aerospace and military workers who were familiar with military aircraft. But calls also from some non-aerospace types. One particular compelling report came from a witness who had seen the XB-70 like aircraft over her Pennsylvania home at a very low altitude, less than 200 feet. So low, in fact, that she could tell the right seat pilot was wearing a white helmet. The woman was an avid bird watcher and was pursuing a a doctorate in immunology. So I considered her... Legitimate witness, a seasoned scientist with a good observational skill, uh, observational skills. Typically, these sightings were accomplished by a distinctive, deep-throated, sometimes pulsing engine roar, unusual contrails described as donuts on a rope. Remember that one for all you pulse engine people back in the day who said there was pulse engine stuff. Uh, spaced, puffy rings surrounding a thick rope of condensed exhaust, a segmented puffs. Or segmented puffs like a string of sausage links. I was able to obtain good photos of the contrails and we published them along with the eyewitness reports. However, proof of all these incidents were linked to a single aircraft and aircraft type continued to elude us. At one point, an obscure reference to Aurora, quote unquote, in an Department of Defense budget document fueled speculation in the media that a high speed replacement for the SR 71 was about which would be retired by in 1998 was being developed or had already gone operational. We ultimately decided that the Aurora was simply a cover name, a budget niche to hide money that a Pentagon was funneling to the Air Force classified B-2 spirit bomber program. In 1992, a series of intercepted, of course, though, there was the Manta and Aurora series drones titles by uh, at least the Manta for sure um, that had the TR ryan teledyne um teledyne ryan manta the tr3m all right anyways uh whatever the aurora was a name used for a vehicle that looked exactly the same but ultimately i think it was a broad cover for the b2 like the guy was saying in 1992 a series of intercepted radio transmissions presented an entirely new possibility for a mystery airplane Around 6 a.m. Pacific time on April 5th and 22nd, Douglas, uh, Steve, Steve Douglas, an investigative journalist who monitors military aircraft radio chatter and maintains a Black Projects blog called Deep 
Blue Horizons blogspot, still being updated, no contact information on there, picked up transmissions uh, between Edwards Radio Control Facility and a high-altitude aircraft that was using the call sign gas pipe. Controllers were directing the aircraft to a landing using advisors so using advisors to uh, uh, that would be familiar to space shuttle astronauts returning from orbit. So basically using lingo and terms for people that would usually be returning from orbit. That would be familiar with space shuttle astronauts. Edwards told Gaspipe, you are at 67,000 feet. 81 miles out. Moments later, Edwards radioed 70 miles out, 36,000. Above glide slope, during years of flight testing in Edwards' area, I had heard controllers issuing similar clip directives. The cadence uh, and tone of the one talking to gas pipe were the same. I concluded that the Douglas recordings were authentic. The mystery aircraft was ascending rapidly dropping from an altitude of more than 12 miles to almost seven in a few seconds. And evidently it lined up to land where we didn't know, maybe Groon Lake. No fighter aircraft operated at such high altitudes. And my AVWE colleagues and I quickly confirmed through NASA and the Air Force that no U-2s or SR-71s were airborne at those times. In follow-up calls, I was told that the base radar approach control facility showed no Record of control, controllers working, quote-unquote, an aircraft with a call sign gas pipe on those dates. I started wondering whether the spooks of Groom Lake were flying a new space plane, a manned vehicle, a manned vehicle, a manned vehicle that could reach orbit, then return to land on a remote runway. My colleagues and I chased the mystery for more than a dozen years. In March 2006... We published a story about what was called the the Black Star two-stage-to-orbit system. We lacked proof, but had first-hand accounts from military pilots, technicians, and engineers of a small space plane, codename XOV. Short for Experimental Orbital Vehicle. That was carried under the belly of an XB-70-like aircraft known as the SR-3. Earlier that year, a Groom Lake insider had told me Black Star had been shelved because, quote, it didn't work out as we all hoped. Whether the program programs, whether the programs were technical or financial, we may never know. In the early 1990s, when I was working from a home, we'll have to look that up again. In the early 1990s, when I was working from a home office in the high desert of Southern California, about 45 miles from Edwards, I seemed to be at the center of spook aircraft reports. The more stories we ran about black aircraft, the more reports we seemed to receive. Soon as I soon as soon I was getting calls in the middle of the night from avid sky watchers urging me to quote run outside and look to the north. The pulsar just flew over Mojave. I never saw the particular aircraft, but I did hear its loud pulsing signature a few times. In a, in years in the flight test business, I had heard more than a few jet engines, and this was something new. Sighting sightings were funneled in my in my way, but other Ab Week reporters were also vetting the information. 
trying to piece together dozens of observations, sketches, and a few photos, and then deciphering what they meant was like working on a 400-piece jigsaw puzzle with only 250 pieces. Welcome to ufology, sir. We have one piece. No matter how we shuffled the pieces, we could not be sure we had identified the full picture. Many of my sources refuse to discuss black matters. Hey, listen, buddy. We're not going to get racial, racial here. Oh, oh, sorry. Black military matters. Okay, my bad. On the phone. Their jobs and security clearances were at stake. And a law enforcement friend had confirmed that my phone office, that my home phone office had a, had a legal tap on it from a court ordered in the 2012 area code. What? New York City. I was never able to find out who had requested the tap or why. Consequently, what? Jesus Christ. Consequently, my sources and I result. Uh, oh, shit. My mic's still working. Tap, tap, tap. Uh, my sources and I re uh, resorted to using codes. I'd call and ask a question such as, are you helping with a silent auction at the kids' school next week? Translation, I'll meet you at the Gemco parking lot. Gemco park, whatever that is, uh, in 15 minutes. Several times my colleagues and I rented night vision gear and set up makeshift observation sites near Edwards. Long nights of shivering in the desert, watching and listening, ultimately yielded one intriguing videotape. Our team saw and recorded what we call, quote-unquote, the dripper. I brought this up with you multiple times over the last week or so. This guy is out there still. This video is out there still. Caltech has looked at this video. They said it was a legitimate video of an aircraft flying and not a meteor, though it did look like one. But <clears throat> the dripper, a long, thin aircraft cloak in gold light that appeared to shed luminous clumps of pearl-like globs. I wasn't with the team that night, but when I viewed the tape the next morning, I was just I was just as puzzled and puzzled and excited excited as they were when they saw the dripper firsthand. I contacted physicists in the California Institute of Technology in Pasadena. I just changed the article back and I just completely read something wrong in there. My bad. Excited as those who had seen the dripper first day, oh, whatever. I contacted the physicist at California Institute of Technology in Pasadena, who later watched the tape and decided our dripper shredding was classic plasma bifurcation. B-I-F-U-R-C-A-T-I-O-N. Or the splitting of gas ions in the atmosphere. Fascinating. But why would an aircraft be shrouded in plasma? <clears throat> the question he's about to ask is what we see in ufology today. Ready? Um, plasma. What Was this a new type of stealth technology? If so, it must have been limited operational value because at night, the aircraft's visible for miles. Failed miserably at visual stealth, if that's the case. We had data uh, uh, and some intriguing theories, but no confirmation. However... Much of what we did have seemed to point to one place, Groom Lake. It was time to join the cadre of watchers who prowled the borders of the en enigmatic mecca of advanced aircraft. In the mid-1990s, the federal government extended the borders of the restricted areas around Groom, removing almost 4,000 acres of land from public access. The base's facilities could be seen clearly 
from only a few mountain and ridges, uh, mountains and ridges away, and a move prevented anybody from climbing them. Um, the the one remaining viewing site was Topeka Peak, about 30 miles from the base. Those who had made the difficult climb told me they couldn't see much of, of interest. Under time and budget constraints, I opted to drive from Las Vegas and simply park just off Highway 375 northeast of Groom. The base was miles away, hidden behind rugged mountains, but that's about as close any outsider could get. I had pursued an old Air Force security police manual entitled Debt 3 SP Job Knowledge, which included rudimentary drawings and descriptions of field sensors, motion ac acoustic and other types scattered around Groom. According to this manual, these battery-powered canisters are buried with their flat end facing the roadway, enabling them to detect passing vehicles and set off alarms. If anyone got close to the base, they would come off. <laughs> Hello. I couldn't monitor activity at the base itself, but maybe I'd spot the Sky Ripper departing for a late-night test flight. A near full moon provided enough light to reveal an aircraft. If one were to take off that night, hours went by and the moon climbed higher, but I saw nothing. The desert was dead quiet and downright lonely. Around 2 a.m., fighting to stay awake, I suddenly felt the car rocking back and forth. I bolted upright. I shot a short horn, uh, horn steer, was using the car's left rear corner as a scratching post. Oh. About a dozen open-range cattle were clustered around the car. Those are aliens, sir. They were mocking you. I've read that in ufology. Bledsoe told me. Bledsoe said so. Uh, probably wondering why I had intruded on their pasture. But by 4 a.m., having seen or heard nothing, departing groom, I headed for a motel. Joining me the next night was Las Vegas TV crew that was equipped with night vision gear and a portable radio frequency scanner. This is George Knapp. We had barely settled in for the evening when the scanner blared call sign. Do you have the four-wheeler down by the mailbox? <laughs> yeah, I got him. Came a bored reply. Across the highway from us stood a local rancher's black post-mounted mailbox. The four-wheeler under discussion was ours. We hadn't been there a, a half hour, and the camo dudes what black aircraft watchers, all, camo, uh, all all the camouflage uniform groom guards were already on to us. Maybe the presence of two reporters and a TV cameraman prompted the base's commander to cancel the night's test. Or maybe groom's test pilots don't fly on nights when the moon is full and bright. For whatever reason, we saw nothing more exciting that night than the lightning flashes from a distant thunderstorm. While employees at the base won't talk about classified aircraft or technologies, some have offered tidbits about what it's like to work there. Many of the workers live in the Las Vegas area and are flown to Groom Lake on Boeing 737s. These aircraft painted white with a nose-to-tail red stripe ferry people and supplies to and from the base. Typically, workers fly to Groom on a Monday and back to Las Vegas on a Thursday or Friday, although daily round-trip flights are common. Test pilots, managers, engineers, technicians, mechanics, and support personnel stay in base dorms with many, uh, which may have been upgraded in recent years. In the 1980s, 
In the 90s, grooms pilots lived in the old wooden World War II barracks with creaky floors. One told me each pilot had his own 8-by-8-foot uh, room, which boasted a single window painted shut. Test personnel typical, typically worked 14-hour days, almost exclusively at night. The base closely monitored satellite overflights, both ours and theirs, on groom engineer set. One groom engineer said, test flights were scheduled to preclude a secret aircraft being photographed from space as more countries launched military satellites and commercial imagery imaging spacecraft proliferated it became increasingly difficult to conduct uh, flight tests in secrecy i'm boring the shit everyone i'm sorry but we gotta get through this <clears throat> sometimes we'd barely get airborne when we'd have to land to avoid a satellite overflight one pilot told me scoot shelters portable carpet like structures carport like structures were positioned on the ramp to hide an aircraft until the satellite was out of range Eventually, shelters were also positioned at remote airfields throughout Nellis and adjacent Utah tests and training ranges for pilots who couldn't get back to groom before a satellite topped the horizon. They could go down and hide somewhere. Well, now you know how they hide secret aircraft from satellites and why countries just don't say, what are you doing with this thing down there? Avoiding de detection by satellites produced one innovation that also greatly improved flight test efficiency. Rather than land at Groom Lake or another strip, Pilots simply flew their aircraft beneath a KC-135 or A-10 refueling tanker, shielding them from the satellite. That's what the Russians did to us with the SS-71. Not only could a tanker serve as an airborne scoot shelter, it could also refuel test aircraft as well as enabling more test flights on a single sortie. Groom Lake has also been rumored to hide captured alien spacecraft and their big-eyed, little gray-guy crews. Those convinced that the unidentified flying objects came from other worlds are just as convinced that some are hidden in grooms' hangars. I've never seen anything to support that notion. However, it's clear to me that the UFO phenomenon is used to protect the base's deepest secrets. I once was advised that if I wanted clues about real-world classified aircraft projects, I should read supermarket tabloids. If a hiker spotted a new airplane during a test flight near Groom and talked about it openly, the story might appear in one of those tabloids. Although wrapped in a wild tale, complete with a grainy photos of flying saucers and alien beings. I once asked a groom test pilot whether tainted classified aircraft sightings were uh, sightings with the with the UFO stench was ever done intentionally. He smiled and replied, "It's worked for fifty years. Why would we change now?" Without question, Black World operators have become masters of such deception to protect their work. As a result, Groom Lake <clears throat> will likely remain its secrets, retain its secrets for a very long time. This is a William B. Scott is co-author of the novel Counterspace, The Next Hours of World War II. I'll be buying that right now. Hello, my book. I'm going to book from you. Okay. Put that in the car and smoke it. Boom. Okay. 
Counterspace, the next hours of World War III. That's going to be an interesting read. Um, <clears throat> so let's just quickly, I lost most people there, and I appreciate everyone who stuck with me to read that. I know you're not babies. You want to be read to. I can't read worth the shit, so it's probably annoying. But but, but just, you know, I understand. It's an unnamed source. I get it. I get it. You could be, be even you could even be saying that this this person is helping obstruct some sort of belief system. But my friends, listen to how we set it up. They they're not saying they're not saying that it's a direct action. But if a person's firsthand account winds up in a tabloid. with ridiculous aliens and stuff. You think anyone's going to take it seriously? Some might even say those tactics, tactics are being used today, and there's articles out there to suggest that as of late. Um, but I got to tell you, I think it's okay for someone to be derogatory and make some jokes and shit about people and their theories of what they're claiming, especially when those people try to hide the fact that they're worried about morphing Demons walking on planet Earth, dino beavers and and aliens uh, that 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 are murdering dogs with with invisible ray beams and opening portals on ranches and stuff. I don't know that there's not demons around. I think demons might have been a name we came up for something if we ever encountered anything that we simply couldn't explain. Sure as fuck, yeah, absolutely. But can we be fair? If someone makes a story and reports it to TMZ or some other thing, and then that same thing puts pictures of the aliens in the in the wrong encounter video <laughs> excuse me how many times has someone from you know 2015 2004 excuse me or recently gone gone on a legacy media uh, platform or any any platform really to talk about their experience or whatever happened and it shows the wrong video behind them the entire time it's the same concept uh, but I, I personally think that's why the alien thing is the least credible direction I would go during the disclosure movement. The alien concept is the fucking least. I would, I would, I would literally cannot. It's impossible. I mean, I, have you, have you ever had a person as like a magician tell you, you know, try to figure out how I do this trick, and you really just try to look close you were just like you were just like looking you're looking um at this angle that you think might be a better angle to see what the sleight of hand is that that's all part of it you even focusing on that is is literally counted on the, the perception of now that you're aware there could be something going on um I just fucking, I, I've yet to see it. I've yet to see it. I've seen endless amount of, I swear we have evidence. And then sometimes they even try to show it. Like remember during the TTSA time frame where they were trying to show evidence all the time, evidence for what we're saying. And it was just all fucking made up. That, that's legitimate. Whether you like it or not, that's legitimate. They tried to show fake evidence in the form of evidence. And obviously I get, they tried to show fake evidence to do why Leslie Keen like lied in the New York times articles. She lied because she's a fucking liar, but also because she was trying to change. She was trying to affect change, you know, 
it's like let's be let's i'm gonna bring, okay i'm gonna say something you're not gonna like it but i'm just gonna say something that's gonna sound horrible ready you've all heard in the civil rights movement the story of a woman being told to get to the back of the bus right rosa parks you've heard this that was a demonstration the real woman that that happened to that that was in the newspapers i i, I don't even remember her name that's that, that the real event was was this other woman that did make it famous for a short time. But of course, a demonstrator was sent to put on a demonstration in order for you to recognize there was a problem. I understand the logic of Kane of Leslie Keene's lying ass. I'm not trying to compare her to civil rights. Jesus Christ, she fucking wishes. But um and she can hang out with Danny Sheehan all she wants. It doesn't make her a civil rights journalist. Um, that that uh, that lying for the greater good or setting up a demonstration for the greater good in this realm isn't like some sort of civil rights. We don't see that obviously these people need to be fucking protected and treated as equals. What are you talking about, Keen? You're lying for the greater good? You put on a demonstration for the greater good? That type of logic or that type of operation has been exposed. So why would we believe they're talking about aliens? I think they're talking about what Jim Semivan is talking about, and he has no fucking clue what he's talking about. Uh, you know, anyways, it's far away from nuts and bolts aircraft, that's for sure. Far away. My opinion, Jim Semivan is completely... All of these folks that, that, that seemingly are running the thing I think they're actually being used by our military intelligence right now. I think all of these folks are being used. My gut, I woke up this morning and it literally told me deep in my gut that so many of these individuals, including the top people that we might think know things because they've invested in the tech. So it seems like, well, because they're lying, we've got that. It's like they're actually being manipulated, manipulated. And in turn, they're manipulating people. They're being advantageous. But what's being achieved? Perception. Perception change. If one thing has changed at all, it's that the idea that, well, we're not alone, allegedly, to people. There's no, they never showed any evidence of that. But uh, but our government's been being plagued with a problem they've been quietly trying to handle. Um, and, of course, that must mean that we have something to back that up and uh, of course we've heard recently whistleblowers talking about the aircraft and the and the stealth and the stuff like that and i um um <clears throat> it's uh it's it's unbelievable what what you know what we've seen develop and disappear someone has this amazing revelation acknowledge you know this in, in physics or something or uh, literally something on the engineer's workbench this crazy innovation and uh, it's just up and gone away. Or we never saw, you know, the outcome of, we never saw the peer review to it. We never saw anything. Um, I, 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 when I think of this article and I think of what this guy's talking about with the dripper thing, I think of, I think of what we talk about here so often. Another level to future air uh, um, flight that that it makes sense to me that at one time you would see this thing ripping across the sky, this this huge amazing light.
the early stages in some of these plasma tech, I believe we saw that there needed to be a controlled level of it. One, because the little actuators that we see on aircraft wings now, I'll show you pictures of it. Of course, I've showed you right here. Ended up, we end up finding out, I, and I know this just from the papers that are available, the lectures that are available on YouTube. Um, these little actuators ended up being almost more effective than like engulfing the wing in like this big St. Elmo's fire like fucking thing. Um, it doesn't matter. I guess it doesn't really matter if I show you this stuff, but uh, I've showed you so many times. But either way, I, it might make sense that the early days of the test flights, of course, they were flying around with quite a bright signature. It was probably observed multiple times. And as we saw, we and we've heard in the early days of, uh, or in the early days, rather, of uh, in the early 2000s and late 90s, the pulse detonating engine as a secret replacement to something for a, you know, our new fast moving aircraft was all the rage. The contrails were everywhere. We, I, I, we've talked about it a hundred times in the show. And, and because of that, they assumed that, well, we had no adversary. It went away. But what if now it's back out again? We need to add modern knowledge that we have now with these plasma actuators and stuff on the on the tip, on the wingtips of these vehicles, um, and and make it uh, operate, you know, the way the way that we're offering, or the way that some of these other aircraft uh, can fly now. I know that doesn't make much fucking sense to people. They're like, Jesus, dude, and you just spit it out. I can't. I'm an idiot. I'm sorry. Um, I find this damn I'm trying to find some of these damn pictures. I want to talk to you about them flying saucer. Uh, no, I don't know. I have so many drone pictures here, and I can't show you the freaking. Are you serious? This is what we do, Rico. I'm gonna take a break in a second here. Uh, oh well, maybe not. I didn't go with a break today. I did answer a phone call for a minute. Give me one second, Rico. I'm trying to find this damn thing. I've shown them on the show so many times. It's beginning to get a bit insufferable. Oh, I found them, and I was looking in the wrong, the right place the entire time. Here we go, Rico. Let's look up these one and this one and bring up this one and this one here and this one. Okay. Here we go. Take a look at this wing. Jesus Christ. Open, you turd. What's happening here? Give me one second, Recon. Holy shit. I need a new computer so bad. Everything's breaking down in my life right now. I got no goddamn home. Insurance guy's coming for the boat on the fucking 3rd of July. Um, computer is at its last leg. This computer is from 2016 Micro Center. Yeah, it's six, before then. 2000, it's before then. It's 2015. I was on the boat in 2016. 2017, I lost the boat. Stupid Hurricane Irma. 
It's still not opening. God. Oh my God. I can't stand fucking stream. It's, it's StreamYard. I'm telling you, I don't have this problem with any other program. And I apologize. It happens only on the air. Plasma actuator. Fluid dynamic control. Hello, my Okay, check this out. Here's a, I just typed it into Google. Um, the I don't know that yet. I don't want the boat to be done. I feel like my insurance company could just pay me back all the money I've given them for the last three years, and and I could fix it up and make it my fucking home again for a while. Uh, but I have to wait till the guy gets there to take a look at it. I, I it, 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 it ain't good. Looks like a bomb went off. This components and fucking shit blown off. The goddamn ignitions froze through and cracked into pieces. The panel alone that sees all reads the engine and all that stuff, the heat, everything from all my systems is like has been like popped out from the inside because it froze. Anyways, here we go. Plasma actuators. I know for all the people that are too uh, incapable of of, um, of 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 being interested in this, I help help them see it. Um, look what look at the difference here between um, uh, one side with and one side without. Okay, now all you're essentially seeing, uh, obviously you can read that right here, but all you're essentially seeing is when plasma is added to a wingtip or to a wing in certain places. Now there's been there's there's uh, the uh, 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 a plane surface um, the, is it looks like it's been studied to literally add it in all phases, but it appears that right on the very wingtip offers it for the cheapest amount of money offers an extreme change in the fluid dynamics. Going from looking like that to a more controlled surface, where you see it's shrunken down and the uh, chaotic flow. It, uh, of uh, of um, of the environment it's interacting with gets um, organized a little bit better. It simply does. Now there's there's still ongoing testing. The military is never really talking about. It. We we see free papers all the time, but what we're what we see from postgrad universities are is that they're they they've expressed um, at least you know the the recognition that if we can do this on a small aircraft, relatively easy, in a post-grad program with stuff off the shelves, then we should see at least some aviation organizations adapt this. When you start going so fast that you're reaching achievements that we, we really haven't heard much about other than re-entry and stuff like that, but we, we, we recognize at least to some degree that fluid dynamics can be controlled in ways I think people didn't realize at all. And the dripper could have been early stages of those fl of flights where the the amount of plasma was probably like just ramped up to like, well, if it's not hurting the aircraft and it's the outside, let's just see what happens when you fly this bitch at full blast, you know, because you can amp these things up until they look like some of them. The larger ones look like a little lightning storm, a little you ever seen the like the plasma in the bowl and the science, you put your hand on it and then your hair goes up and, you know, science, Michael Scott. Um it almost looks like that when they're cranked up. So I don't know what would be the purpose of that on an aircraft flying really fast in one direction. But if you're interested in it, please look it up because some of these lectures are really clean, showing that even gas turbine engines, possibly with that little tip in the middle of the, you know, the gas turbine engine, it's flying around, even that little tip in the middle 
getting touched with plasma or a coil around it can actually organize the molecules flying through there into the engine better. And, um, and that seems like we then would probably see an insane kind of use for plasma. Like, we, we know that drone, there's drone shapes out there that look like flying saucers. There's drone companies out there that p- produced Coanda, uh, what is it? Coanda, um, the Equendo effect with a plasma coil on top. Um, I, where are these companies? What are they doing? Where are they, 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 These things are not worse than regular drones. Some of them are better. Some of them have better flight capabilities, even scaled up. Some would say, using other plasma technology, we might just see that come around, you know, being a replacement. Wouldn't it be nice that your air, your flight was like, uh, you just get on a shuttle and the shuttle slowly lifts you into the sky as you link up with your aircraft and then falls back. <laughs> back down to earth <laughs> back down to earth pretty quickly i uh i think it'd be pretty interesting some of this technology is out there i don't know why i can't open this up and it's driving me crazy i want to fucking lose it um some of this technology has been tested for years and years and years and it would i wouldn't doubt it whatsoever if um the dripper from that article is exactly that. And I, I don't know, I'm just going to end it on that right there. I'd like to read Jeremy McGowan's article tomorrow. Maybe I'll come back on tonight if I got time, but, um, these people are not involved that article, by the way, I read, they're not involved with ufology. They're not involved seemingly. They're not involved with one of them took a big little space, big little aerospace photograph though. That guy from the 1990s who first saw the dripper recorded it is a professional photographer who once was a photographer for, for Bigelow. I asked Chris Bartell that. Remember that the other day? I said, you know, recognize this guy's name? The, uh, the guy who captured the dripper is an aerospace photographer who is responsible for photographing, uh, for photographing, for photographing uh, Bigelow in a big old spread in a big old thing. No, in a, uh, sorry. And um, his name was, but I I know that I'm just being a, a, a douche here. But isn't it just? It's a coincidence, right? That Bigelow, for some reason, a person that has affiliation or attachment to this person to one degree or another is involved with people witnessing something going extremely fast. After all, Cheeks went to go work for Bigelow right after. All right, anyways, I'm sorry. Uh, but let's – the guy's name – I'll drop the article in the in the uh, chat and in the show notes, of course. But here's the uh, article in the chat there. Um, it doesn't give the guy's name in that article, I don't think. But there was another – wait, wait. Yeah, I sent you the – wait, I sent you it on Twitter. I'll look in the I'll look in our conversation, right? Yeah, let's see. Bill Hartenstein, the photographer's name. I'm not trying to dox anyone if that's still a thing, but he's an open public figure. At least he was. Bill Hartenstein. Bill Hartenstein was a guy that allegedly was just out there waiting for um, UFOs, uh, waiting for secret aircraft, you know? Um, And... 
for some reason he had already worked with Bigelow at one point. Uh, I don't know. I, maybe that's nothing. Maybe that's absolutely nothing. I just think it's fucking weird. Like Bigelow was nothing. I'm not. I don't. I, Chris, I do appreciate the inside information you've given me about your time working there. But just as a person that has looked at aerospace companies in interest for a long time and seeing like obviously we you know we both know we both have talked about the glass door reviews on his thing and about a long time it's like isn't it weird that that bigelow like was such a small little nothing organization yet seemingly has a place with such i mean possible groundbreaking stuff if it were true you know and i don't really get that i i don't get that. i think that's i guess it's a coincidence but there's more than a handful of aerospace companies, and they've been around for a long fucking time. In fact, some of them are so big, I find it suspicious that Bigelow is affiliated with any of these anecdotes. You kind of see what I'm saying? Like, like, like BAE and other organizations are so fucking large that wouldn't you just assume that they'd be the name or some subsidiary under them? They'd be the name? But it's Bigelow on multiple accounts. Now, maybe it's not. Maybe I'm saying multiple accounts, like almost like he had something to do with his dripper site. He didn't. I just find it weird that the photographer that captured the dripper UFO reviewed by Caltech. I don't know where that photo is. I wish I knew where it was. They also called it the Sky Ripper because it was the same time where people were seeing pulse detonation engines engines everywhere. Happens to be a guy that photographed the fucking the 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 the, the, the swollen. Hotels, the Bigelow sends up the Habs. Um, you know, and I, I don't want to sound like too much of an ace. I'm trying to take a different stance here. I don't want to be on anyone's bad side for doing nothing. You know, a lot of people are getting seriously mentally disturbed at the idea that people out there saying that what they believe in is not real. I'm just asking you to believe in your own experiences if they were close enough that you know that it wasn't some fucking drone far off and away. But, but. But don't put your faith in someone whose job it is to hide and subvert your vision and and research into a technology. Now, I'm not saying that you should also try to expose your own nation's ability to protect you early, so someone else gets the ability to uh, to to ruin that. That seems fucking stupid. I'm not I'm not into that. I've never been a person that sat outside of test bases and been like, "Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to try to really fuck over an operation." <laughs> what? doesn't that's just not my style i just whatever um and, and since i obviously know that that ufos have been used to kind of obstruct what's actually going on for so long to some with some of these people um i find it real concerning that any affiliation would exist even if it's simply this guy bill hartenstein was once bigelow's photographer that's just weird to me what the fuck is his photographer doing capturing the fastest, most mysterious aircraft that's ever been witnessed in the skies? It's just, come on, dude. I don't know. Anyways, I got to get out of here. I'll just keep ranting and not making any sense. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, you know you can support the show by hitting that like and subscribe, all that good jazz. Thank you to everyone who's given the super chats. As of late, it's helping support the show truly. Um, you know, uh, you got to do me a massive favor, though. Everyone who's new to the show, who doesn't know what I'm about here, help them understand. I'm a reject, but I do get to the point eventually. And the beginning of the show was real slow. I started off talking about material sciences and why we don't have supersonic transports. And I ended on this. It's all part. It's all this matrix. It's this. It's just. It's just. It's just. Stop. Stop seeing 
you know, I mean, stop looking at what is out there today as the height of our achievements. Stop thinking that because those are the heights of our achievements that we certainly don't have anything better than that behind closed doors. And if we do, it's alien. It don't make any fucking sense. But if, if, if someone actually produces the evidence, finally, it's been so long. You know how many times someone has said they'll never believe us no matter what evidence we show them? No, I promise you, the evidence that we've all wanted has never been presented. It has nothing to do with what you're deeming to be evidence. That's not evidence. An unreviewed paper or hypothesis or theory from someone or whatever, uh, you know, enough people believe something, a Ray Hernandez study, that ain't evidence. Jesus Christ, that ain't evidence. If you want us to take what's being claimed seriously, like the claims that the government has essentially magic-like equipment found from possible non-human intelligence aliens, then why, why do we got to wait for disclosure? There was a guy with a tough box walking around acting like he had the fucking proof with them on a TV show. He's the same guy leading disclosure. Look for things how they actually are versus how they appear to be, Recon. Do me a massive favor, my friends. Keep it weird and, you know, keep your third eye peeled. You like to see homos naked? And I quote once again from Genesis. Well, we're waiting. I've been on a lot of shows, but there's no better crowd than this right here. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. I still think you came out here just to cover your ass. <laughs> Don't make it sound like a fucking fat, plumpy, delicious cock. <laughs> Why are you gay? He says I'm gay. You are gay. Hey, Recon. You know, the, the most disturbing thing about Disneyland is all those children walking around with a rat's severed skull on their heads. It's disgusting.